Hello and welcome to the Being Well podcast. I am joined here, as always, by Dr. Rick Hansen. Dad, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. So today we're going to be exploring a big concept, which is this idea that every person, every one of us, has three fundamental needs, safety, satisfaction, and connection. So to provide some context here, why those three fundamental needs? I work backwards from the idea of well-being. So mm-hmm. this is the Being Well podcast. Yeah. What's it take to have well-being? Well, fundamentally, to have true well-being, somewhere deep in your core, you need to feel like there's an enoughness of your needs Mm. being met. If you don't feel like your needs are being met, almost by definition, it's hard to have any sustained sense of well-being. Instead of papering over real issues or doing some kind of glib, uh, fake it till you make it kind of thing— If you're serious about sustained well-being over time, you've got to get serious about recognizing and meeting your own needs, which then takes you to the question, well, what do you need? And here's where different models in psychology basically boil down to the same three needs. Sometimes people use different terms. But if you think about it, for us as human beings and also our animal cousins, first and foremost, we need to live to see the sunrise. We need Mm -hmm. to be safe enough that we're not eaten by the tiger or the shark or attacked brutally by some other caveman and back in the Stone Age. Mm -hmm. So we need to be safe. Second, we need to fulfill our goals. We need to get food. We need to have pleasure. We need to accomplish things. In a word, we need satisfaction. And our third great need is for connection, to feel included to feel loved, and also feel that there are vehicles that can receive the contribution and the caring and the love that we have to offer. So we have a structure here, three fundamental needs, safety, satisfaction, and connection. And you can think about challenges to those needs. If you tend to feel anxious or irritated or helpless, that's an indicator that your safety need is flashing. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Second, if you are feeling or when you're feeling disappointed or frustrated or obstructed, well, then that's a flashing indicator. Rut row, satisfaction needs tending. If you feel resentful of others or in conflict with others Mm -hmm. or insufficiently loved or insecure in your relations with others, that too, all that is an indicator that your need for connection needs tending. You're describing these needs in very deep, heartfelt ways, uh, really kind of drilling down to the core of the experience, really deep fear, really deep satisfaction, really deep connection. And I think that you see all around us in culture, people who appear to be meeting their needs, yep. there's still something missing. Yeah, You know, they, they have the car, they have the job. They've got three locks on their front door, sure. and they still don't feel safe. Exactly, yeah. And that's a, that's a perfect example. You know, three locks on the door, still don't feel safe. So there's some, there's some inconsistency here, yep. clearly, between what you're describing, which is a really kind of inside-out way of feeling safe, satisfied, and connected, versus this kind of, I'm going to solve my problems through external means. Yeah, and the deep idea, which Mm -hmm. is really central to this podcast, is that well-being necessarily rests on an ongoing sense of a sufficiency and Mm. enoughness Mm -hmm. of need fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And 
as you internalize experiences of well-being, which is to say as you internalize experiences that are genuine of some aspect of safety or satisfaction or connection, as you internalize those experiences, you literally hardwire into your own nervous system Mm. a growing sense of well-being and a growing sense of need fulfillment that then is in you as you when you meet the next moment in life. That is profoundly powerful and important. So in a funny kind of way, the key to building up a core of resilient well-being is Mm. to honor your own needs and to look for ways to experience that you've genuinely and wholesome ways met your needs. Not being embarrassed about, in effect, being needy is actually really fundamental to being resilient and strong and happy. So that's where the mindfulness comes in, I'm guessing, because in our broader structure here, these are all episodes related to mindfulness right now. Yeah, the second in our 12 strengths framework. That mindfulness is of your own needs? Is that what you're kind of describing here? What you need uniquely as a person? Yeah, and what's interesting too, as you become more aware of your own needs and more skillful at meeting them, you actually become more empathic with and compassionate for and skillful in meeting the needs of others in a nice positive cycle. Well, once you've had a moment of admission that you do have needs that need to be met, I think that it becomes a lot easier to acknowledge the needs of other people. Yeah. Also, as you start to top off your own tank, as it Mm -hmm. were, as you start to fill up your own bucket or your own cup of feeling that your needs are met, people usually tend become less selfish. While people sometimes think that, oh, taking care of your own needs is selfish, it actually is benevolent for other people, especially if you can use the sense of your needs being met in ways that are are moral and good for other people too. Yeah, and I think that that ties very closely into my own experience whenever I've talked about this kind of material with other people, where whenever you start to get into the subject of we all have needs, we all have things we want, to kind of start to blur those together a little bit. Yeah. There are kind of two core objections. The first core objection is having needs is selfish. Yeah. It's if I express my needs, I'm really just being needy. And we have this word needy that has a connotation that's inherently negative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting when we're kind of reframing this conversation around the fact that needs are natural, Mm -hmm. needs are healthy. Yeah. You can't get rid of the fact that you need to eat food or see other people or protect your own safety. Yep. You have to just deal with it. So our only question is, how do we go about dealing with that? That's right. There's something fundamentally humble about acknowledging that we all have needs. Mm. And when you start tuning into this idea, you start being much more alert to how the other people around you don't feel safe, Mm. including in subtle ways. And sometimes they don't feel safe because of how you're acting. Even if you're not doing anything wrong or bad, maybe maybe you're being quick or forceful or intense. Not that you should suppress yourself, but just recognizing that in some ways we constitute a threat to other people yeah. and they don't feel so safe. So I find it's really useful to reflect on our needs and to admit our needs and then get on it, meet them in um, healthy and appropriate ways and take in those experiences of your needs being fulfilled. One of the things that's really important about this is to appreciate that these needs are baked into the brain. Hmm. Uh, The brain evolved 
in three major stages. Really quick here, we have the more or less reptilian brainstem over the 600 million year period of evolution. And then on top of that brainstem sits the more or less mammalian subcortex that began to develop around 200 million years ago, uh, way back in the day. And then on top of that, we have the primate and especially human neocortex uh, that now occupies a large fraction of the volume of the brain. That's especially related to us humans. And those levels of brain evolution, uh, which loosely correspond to the inner lizard, mouse, and monkey inside us all, are loosely related in sequence to our need for safety, and then satisfaction, and then connection. So to really, really summarize all this, it's as if there is a kind of little lizard, mouse, and monkey inside us all. And we need to routinely pet the lizard, feed the mouse, and hug the monkey. Earlier, I was talking about a person who might appear to be meeting their needs, but mm. isn't actually. Yeah. And you were describing these kind of superficial solutions to deep inner problems, putting the third lock on the door mm. if you don't feel safe, whatever yeah. it might be. So what's the difference between what you're describing versus that more superficial wanting of things? Right. First, treat your needs like they matter. And what a lot of people do is they fulfill proxy needs mm. or superficial mm -hmm. versions of the deep need. So maybe they want to be connected with a soulmate, but they're embarrassed about admitting that. So they go to, let's say, bars, and they end up hooking up, and it's a one-night stand, pretty mm -hmm. meaningless. So they kind of scratch the itch of the deeper need, but it doesn't really get at what they really care about deep down inside. So first off, honor the needs and take care of them as best you can in authentic ways, which sometimes means intervening in or taking action uh, in the outer world. There, uh, I think sometimes if a person lives in a dangerous neighborhood, obviously there's a lot more to it than this. But if it's appropriate, put it, get an extra lock on your front door. Sure, right? yeah. Get a dog. I mean, do what you can. So there's a place for meeting our needs through action out in the world. Second step, though, as you have the opportunity authentically to experience that a particular need is being met, that, for example— uh, with regard to safety, say, something is happening that's reassuring or giving you a sense of relief, or you have an opportunity to feel an increased sense of protection, or you have a chance to experience inside yourself a quality of calm strength that you can deal with threats in a real way. Whatever it might be, right then and there, as you have that opportunity to experience that a need is being met in some way, slow it down, as we've talked about before, to take in that experience rather than just kind of check the box and move on to the next thing. If you have a chance to feel like a need is being met, if you have a chance to feel relatively satisfied or safe or connected, slow down for a breath or two or three to really marinate in that experience, which will hardwire it increasingly into yourself. So you're describing ways to paper over mm -hmm. these deeper needs. Yeah. But for me, in the actual flow of my experience, how do I know? Yeah. How do I know if I'm just dealing with kind of the, the surface symptom of something rather mm -hmm. than the deeper problem? And how do I get better at or use mindfulness to kind of diagnose what the real issue is there? Yeah. 
Um, let's use an example. So yeah. think of someone in terms of the third need, the need for connection, our social needs. Think of someone who is sort of hooked on being praised or reassured or approved of by other people. So this person goes to work and they get their kind of fix that day. Somebody approves of them or they do little things to pull for approval. The problem is, as they go through their day, let's say, they get that praise. Mm -hmm. They get that approval. Or mm -hmm. maybe their partner, their mate, their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatnot, tells them, no, I, I really do love you, or I really do like you, or you really are good. I, I really do care about you. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it never seems to fill the hole yeah, in Yeah, it's heart. never enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's an example where a person is seeking a kind of superficial fool's gold, mm -hmm. or to use a different metaphor, cotton candy that is briefly fulfilling, and yet it's not, it doesn't contain the deep, rich nutrients to mm. go with the cotton candy metaphor that a person really needs. Yeah. Alternately, and what I've seen about people like this is that the real, the real issue primarily is a lack of internalization. Usually what I see is there's not a lack of experiences that would address the unmet need. There's much more commonly a lack of internalizing of the experiences that are happening, that the person mm -hmm. that have either just sort of landed on a person in a good way, or they've actually worked to have for themselves. And so if a person has a chronic sense of anxiety or anger at being um, threatened, or if a person has a chronic sense of discontent, dissatisfaction, yes, look to the ways in which that might be based on something in objective reality. But generally, what's really useful and full of opportunity is look for ways that, first, you could actually have the experiences that you long for. And then, second, most important, when you're having those experiences, slow down and help them sink into you. So you're describing one kind of missing need. Some people have that need, some people don't. And I think that that's speaking to something that you alluded to earlier, which is that we all have different needs. We all have the same big three, safety, satisfaction, and connection, but they kind of map differently for each person. Mm. And the extent to which I might really need one of those needs or really kind of feel a lack of one of those needs might be different from the way that you do. Yeah. So is there a way that you know how to go about diagnosing that problem? I think it's quite helpful for people to look inside and ask yourself, of these three issues, feeling safe, or if you think about the second and third needs, satisfaction and connection, does one of them pop out for you these days? I'll say for myself that uh, growing up and in my life um, these days, I feel physically safe. I also feel quite satisfied and, uh, you know, food in the refrigerator and there's, there's enough there. But I'm still grappling with the residues. Now they're pretty subtle and thin, but the residues of a childhood in my own case in which social supplies were a thin soup. The third need for connection was more prominent for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Really, there are two key points here that people can do in a practical way. So first key point 
is to take in experiences of needs being fulfilled, mm-hmm. needs being met. You know, when you show up at the banquet of life and there's a nice big meal, bring a big spoon, take in the experience. Yeah. Second key point is that sometimes to meet your needs in genuine ways that have to do with action, with other people in your relationships or at work or in your physical environment, the, the real object of life you have, to meet your needs more effectively, you need to grow particular resources inside yourself, particular psychological muscles, as it were. So for example, let's suppose that someone wants to meet their need for connection, and in particular, they're looking for a long-term relationship with a really good person. But let's also suppose that this person is very shy and is very uncomfortable meeting new people, so this person just doesn't put themselves in as it were, target-rich environments Mm, in which mm -hmm. there is a high density of potential partners. So what this person, hypothetically, would need to do would be to develop a greater sense of being able to calm and not be stopped by their own shyness or social anxiety. And it would help this person to grow an inner strength, an inner resource, such as feeling liked and loved by other people. So they would feel more confident inside themselves going out on a blind date or meeting a new person. The point of all this isn't merely to gaze at your own navel and internalize good, wholesome experiences of your needs being fulfilled. It's also to face reality and ask yourself, what would be good to have more inside me to deal with the life I have or the world around me Mm -hmm. and to meet my needs? And then you can work backwards. You know, you could even another way to do it is to think about people who seem more effective than you are in meeting that particular need Hmm. or some particular aspect. Look to other people as examples. Yeah, and how do they do it? Study Mm -hmm. them and then work backwards, reverse engineer what they tap on, tap into, let's say, to be willing to meet new people and face the risk of rejection. How do they do it? And then you think, okay, they face the risk of rejection by feeling inside themselves that even if so-and-so rejects me, there are other people who like me. Mm, All right, mm -hmm. I need to grow that sense that there are other people who like me inside myself. And then you look for ways to do that. Great. Well, to give a little summary of what we've talked about today, we were addressing meeting your needs, and particularly how we all have three fundamental needs for safety, satisfaction, and connection. Those needs are innate in all of us and are actually based on the underlying evolution of the brain, as you described, where we have sort of the lizard, the mouse, and the monkey all running around in this zoo inside of our heads. And we need to kind of keep them all happy in order for us to truly be deeply satisfied. You nailed it. All right. Well, great. Well, there you go. So we have that zoo inside of our heads. And then the question is kind of how do we go about dealing with it? And you drew this distinction between papering over these superficial problems or going about meeting needs in superficial ways rather than really internalizing positive experiences and using that as a foundation on which we can build a more inside-out approach to our own well-being. Yep. Then at the very end, you describe some ways that a person could theoretically going about doing that, whether that is somebody who really feels more of a need for connection. If you're lacking in a feeling of connection, you really got to look for those experiences of connection that exist out in the world and really go out of your way to take them in in a more proactive way to meet that hole in the heart, for lack of a better way of putting it. You got it. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. 
next week we're going to get into, I think it's fair to say, some of your favorite material, which is the difference between responding and reacting, or as you like to put it, between operating from the green zone, where you're coming to a problem from an underlying place of your needs being fulfilled and met, versus the red zone, where we tip really into stress and, as you like to put it, deficit and disturbance. Yep. Great. Well, thanks again.